This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Will people who have privately held loans, will they at some point become eligible for this forgiveness because they no longer are? We are working on pathways there to support those, but we're moving as quickly as possible to provide relief to as many people as possible. How you doing, people? I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's October 18th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. If you have not subscribed yet, especially to our Rumble channel, please go ahead and tap that button. You will be rewarded in ways you cannot possibly imagine. I like that cold open today. Uh, it might be worth later you rewinding and watching it again. Just that, that cold, empty stare of Biden when the meds wear off at a certain point during the day. You know, they can drug him or whatever they do to him to get him going. Maybe they, seven cups of coffee. I, I don't know what they're doing. They can have these brief moments of sort of semi-coherence. Then it usually breaks down with the teleprompter. And then when he's off prompter, you know, it's, it's sort of messy and meandering and that whole thing. That one was just sort of a staring into the abyss. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Uh, but we have a tremendous program for you. By the way, thank you for so many people watching our happy hour last night. I think we're going to try to do uh, some more of those. Uh, it's nice talking to you good people with a little tequila in my hand and, and whatever's in your hand, whatever drink that is, you weirdo. Uh, but uh, the show today really is about how things are flipping in real time. Uh, we went from basically everything being a referendum on Republicans to really everything being a referendum on Democrats. What I mean by that is the meme for the last couple, let's say two years since Biden has taken over is that Republicans are mean about January 6th and Trump and ultra MAGA and they want to control women with abortions, blah, blah, blah. But now as we enter the stretch run, the, the two and a half, three weeks right before this midterm election, which is big, they always say it's big. It's always the election of a lifetime. But this one is freaking big, people. It really is. Uh, the thing has flipped and it really isn't about those issues anymore. What is it about? Well, it's about a lot of the things that we've been talking about here. It's about the Democrats' radical policies, policies when it comes to race, when it comes to gender, inflation, uh, and their general state of tyranny that they're trying to oppress us all with. Uh, so that's what we're going to focus on today with video clips. Pretty impressive. Uh, before we get to any of that, let me talk to you guys about Bonner Private Wine. You know, you guys have heard me talk about the amazing extreme altitude wines from Bonner Wine, uh, the, the Bonner Wine Partnership before. Uh, I just had a bottle of their 9,000 foot Malbec the other night with a pecana, a great cut of meat. It's grilling season and the flavors go great with any meat you're going to have. They're unlike any wine you've ever tasted. Blackberry leather, smoke, and a little dark cherry. These wines are almost impossible to get on your own because the producers deep in the Andes mountain make a very limited quantity. Today I have an amazing offer that I have never had before. If you visit bonnerprivatewines.com slash Dave, you'll not only get 50% off your wine plus free shipping, you'll also get a bonus bottle of small batch limited production wine from their exclusive wine cellar. That's four bottles for the price of three. It's a deal that's hard to turn down if you're a wine lover like myself. Just visit bonnerprivatewines.com slash Dave to claim your bonus bottle and become part of America's most unique 
Wine Club. All right, so as we've watched things flip, as we've watched parents show up to school board meetings and say, hey, could you stop teaching my kids to be racist? Could you stop telling my little boy that he's actually a girl? That sort of radical stuff. As we've watched that sort of bubble into mainstream now, what is happening is those issues are now the important things on people's mind when it comes to this election in a couple weeks on top of, say, you know, the economy that seems to be flailing and this very bizarre war with Russia and Ukraine and a whole bunch of other stuff. But the machine, the machine loves people who obfuscate the truth. The, the machine loves people who confuse the issues and who will tell you that all the woke stuff is good while you inherently know that it's bad and much more than that. So here's John Oliver. He does, is this show on HBO? What, what, I don't even know where it is. It is on HBO. John Oliver, who was, you know, he was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart years ago and they've had a very similar career trajectory, which is you guys were somewhat sane liberals thought of as a voice of reason, say 10 years ago, and you guys are just off the rails bananas lefties who now want to blame the West for everything and demonize everybody. Oh, and chop off children's genitals. Here's a little clip from the John Oliver show that apparently is on HBO. This is one of these things that people, nobody ever talks about it. You don't know anyone. Oh, I watched John Oliver last night. That was a good thing. Uh, but the machine loves him. He gets a lot of money to do a corporate show where he's really into uh, having your children's genitals chopped off. And in this segment, you'll note he uh, talks about my buddy and many time Ruben Report guest, Chris Rufo. So much of the conversation around anti-trans laws involves massively overheated rhetoric that does not match the reality of kids' actual situations. And interestingly, a lot of it's been fueled by some of the same players behind the critical race theory panic, who, as we discussed in February, were using it as a wedge issue to promote school choice. In fact, one key architect of the CRT panic, Christopher Rufo, recently pivoted to attacking trans rights, and he has openly discussed the strategy behind doing that. What I'm looking at, and it's just kind of an ongoing series, I just started it, um, is to take that same system of reporting, that same style of reporting as I did with critical race theory, uh, but now taking a look at gender ideology. What's happening right now is parents are feeling that, they're feeling the, oof, this is kind of weird. I'm kind of uncomfortable with this, but I'm scared to speak out. And so what we have to do is we have to give them the kind of media narrative, kind of uh, 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 justification or validation or substantiation of their concerns to say, hey, this is the kind of thing they're teaching in schools. And then we have to give them the language where they can speak about it with confidence. They can speak about it directly and they can speak about it with the requisite level of aggressiveness that it's gonna take to say, hey, wait a minute, we have to stop this. Yeah, he's basically giving people a script to repeat. Very deliberate in how he tries to influence public opinion. But in the conservative playbook, that tactic is a really big one, linking discussion of gender identity to sexual predation and teachers grooming students. Yeah, it is kinda because it's true and there's a lot of evidence of that. Uh, John Oliver, I don't know if you know this, but it would be weird, let's say, if you sent your kids to public school and then the teacher, let's say your kid was in second or third grade, and then the teacher was discussing uh, gender identity or sexuality or anything of a sexual nature with your child 
privately and not bringing it to your attention as if they have ownership over your child, as if they are allowed to call your child a different name and hide it from you. And you guys know the, that this is all actually happening, right? This is why libs of TikTok keeps getting banned on Twitter because they just expose the videos of this. You guys know that this is exactly what the don't say gay bill here in Florida was all about. It had nothing to do with being gay. You, again, as I've said, 400 bajillion times, we checked. Uh, this has nothing to do with being gay. You would not want a straight male teacher talking to a little second grade girl about gender or sex or her body or anything like that. This is all just obvious stuff. But of course, what, I, what John Oliver is doing there is, is just sort of playbook. It's just classic 101 Democrat operative corporate media playbook, which is that somehow Chris Rufo is a bigot somehow he hates trans people or anything else. As far as I know, Chris doesn't have a problem if someone as an adult would like to live however they see fit in the privacy of their own life, right? As far as I know, and that's certainly, I can say that for myself without question. Uh, Chris Rufo, before I just go into, a, ah, I'll go into a little bit more first. One of the interesting things that, uh, that Oliver said there was that Rufo is using the trans issue as a wedge issue to promote school choice as if that's a bad thing. Now, it is a bad thing for Democrats and leftists. They hate choice. Everyone should be for school choice and as many charter schools as possible and as many private schools as possible and say instead of funding these giant public education systems that are failing basically across the board, ironically, Florida with no state income tax has pretty solid, uh, solid public education, uh, but you would want as much choice as possible. You would wanna fund the students so you could give the parents say X amount of dollars, I know it's not give because it's their tax money, but okay, let's here's how the game is played, unless we're abolishing taxes altogether. You say to the parents, hey, here's X amount of dollars. Here are the schools that you can choose from. And this one might be more in line with your thinking. This one might be closer to where you live and that might be important to you. The, all the issues that would be relevant to that, right? So you would want choice, but Democrats and leftists, they hate choice, right? They want everyone to learn the things that they want them to learn. They want everyone to see the world as they see it, and that is a problem. So Rufo uh, saw that clip, and he, he had a great tweet on this. He says, thank you, John Oliver, for highlighting my work. I always publicly announce my plan in advance, so these gotcha segments at the end are a nice confirmation that it worked. We are winning on critical race theory and radical gender theory, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. I thought that was a perfect response. He continued uh, in the thread, the left's most powerful technique is to shame people for any behavior that deviates from their narrative, but that's not gonna work anymore. Call us whatever you want, but there is nothing shameful about protecting our children from racialist abuse and sexual manipulation. Conservatives must have the confidence that we are in the right against racialist abuse, against radical gender surgeries for minors. Let the pundits and NPCs, non-playable characters, like John Oliver mindlessly defend whatever passes as elite wisdom, they will be judged harshly later. I mean, I really can't say it any better than that. I mean, I think what John Stewart, what John Oliver, what Jimmy Kimmel, all of these cultural tastemakers who are just repeating what the machine wants them to repeat. Uh, I think they are going to regret it. I don't think John Oliver or John Stewart or Jimmy Kimmel would be thrilled if their second grade son came home and said he was a girl and that they would immediately be like, get on those puberty blockers, let's get the surgery. Of course not. They would most likely, unfortunately, uh, 
be, oh, I don't even want to say unfortunately, they would most likely be horrified. Much like how Ibram Kendi, Ibram X. Kendi, the, the, the woke king, how when he found out that his son, I think it was his second grade son, we covered this, uh, came home and thought he was trans, thought he was a little girl or something, his words, he said that he and his wife were horrified, which of course just shows you that intersectionality and all of this woke stuff is absolutely crazy. So I wanted to start with that because I think it's just a perfect illustration of how something really good is happening. It's not working anymore. I don't know anyone who's talking about John Oliver. I don't know anyone who wants their kids racialized and, and genderized and all of this nonsense. I don't. And I think these are now winning issues and I don't have, you know, it's not just, it's not just conservatives. It's the ex-libs. You guys get it. It's, it's the whole crew of sane people have just had enough about all of that. Uh, and going from sane people, let's go to completely insane people. Uh, we've got some videotape here from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. And there's this, I guess she's a daytime host, Nicole Wallace, who's become sort of a, like a, almost like a, uh, what's her name? Who's the woman that we're always making fun of here? I don't even remember her name anymore. These people, Joy Ann Reed, Joy, Joy, Joy Reed. She's like a, she's like a white Joy Reed in just like the crazy department. Uh, and just listen to this as they're talking about January 6th. Oh. God. I've not heard one utterance of connecting the dots from Christopher Wray in the days after the deadliest attack on the U.S. Capitol in our, you know, in history. Nicole, I think that's right. And I think if you look at the scale in terms of the threat to democracy, I mean, 9-11 was a tragedy. We lost thousands of lives in a horrific way that we still mourn to this day. But when you look at something that is an attack on democracy, something that could actually bring about a fundamental change to American governance as we understand it, 9-11 is nothing compared to January 6th. And the fact that the FBI and the rest of the government, if they are not on the same sort of war footing that we were on, in the weeks and months and years after 9-11, shame on everyone. All right, so first off, uh, Peter Strzok, or whatever his name is, he basically was one of the two FBI agents who spent years trying to take down Trump and trying to make that Trump-Russia connection, which, of course, it turned out that was there was absolutely no Trump connection. So the fact that they even put this guy on TV, the fact that he's even willing to show his face, tells you everything you need to know about that network. Uh, that line about, in essence... Um, you know, January 6th being worse for the country than 9-11 is so, is so profoundly evil and, and wrong and, and actually disgusting. Uh, you guys know I was in New York for 9-11. Um, thousands of people died. You know what happened on January 6th? A bunch of people with no weapons went to the seat of power to have their voices heard. Some of them broke some property. They did. They had no plans to take over the government. Remember somebody had a Lego set of the Capitol and people thought that, went, that meant they were going to take over the government. There were no plans. They didn't kidnap anybody. In many cases, the, the Capitol police actually moved barricades and people walked in. They took selfies in Nancy Pelosi's office. Um, that is not to diminish, you, you know, the, the certain level of uh, you can't break into places if, you know, you can't break windows and things of that nature. Uh, but it's just completely untrue. And also, as you guys know, I've only talked about January 6th here, I don't know, two, three times maybe, because the whole, the whole thing is a farce, right? This whole hearing is an absolute farce, just like all the impeachments were a farce and the Russia stuff was a farce and all of it was a farce. Uh, but see, if you're watching those things, if you have friends that are watching those things, they're being brainwashed with that nonsense. Someone might've watched that 
that television program and said, my God, January 6th was worse than 9-11. About 3,000 people died in 9-11. It was an attack on our democracy, right, from a terrorist organization. Here we had a bunch of people with American flags wandering through the Capitol. Oddly, they weren't burning down all of the streets across America. That might have been an attack on democracy, but well, you know, I'm just some crazed right-wing maniac. Anyway, here's a little bit more from MSNBC. We've got Jen Psaki, a former White House press secretary who was the biggest paid liar in America for two years. Uh, then she resigned to go be a paid liar for a giant corporation, MSNBC. Uh, and here she is with this guy, Shadi Hamid, uh, and, you know, they don't like us very much and, and they really wish they could get rid of us. And it's odd that they say that on television. As we look to 2024, because my, my former boss also talked about how one Trump term is one thing, two Trump terms is another totally thing. Totally different thing. Yeah. What should we, what lessons should Americans take from what has happened around the world if there are extended years of a government in place who's fighting against democracy and fighting against fundamental rights of people? What could happen with more years? Yeah, well, so you're right that it's a universal thing. And um, we can talk about Europe has its own cases where in Italy we might have the first far right prime minister mm -hmm. since Mussolini. And that person will have come to power through elections um, or the Sweden Democrats, a party with um, neo-Nazi origins. So it's not just America. It's happening all over the place because um, we're not debating economic issues anymore. We're debating cultural issues, identity issues, issues around religion. So I think we have to accept that people who we completely disagree with are sometimes going to win. So there's what, 74 million Trump, uh, supporters, voters. We can't just wish them away. They're not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. So then we have to find a way to live with them, even if we think they're bad people, even if we mm -hmm. think they're a threat to everything we hold dear. Cause what, what's the other option? that's in front of us. And that's a challenge because a lot of people will say, well, they're deplorable and we can't find a way to live with them. I try not to group people the way he does and say that whole group of people is deplorable, that whole group of people is evil. So I'll just talk about that guy directly. I mean, he's a, he's a complete uh, authoritarian maniac. What he's telling you as he's saying, we can't really wish them away. We have to have them in society. What he's really saying is we don't want them in society, and that is what deplorables is all about. And they all just sit there. And what they're showing you, and this is why I always talk about that thin veneer of progressivism. They, they at the very top level, the very simple thin veneer, if you listen to a progressive, it all sounds good. Tolerance, diversity, inflation, reduction act, all of these things sound good. But then you peel off that veneer and you realize, oh, they are actually the really hysterical authoritarians, those are the people that seemingly would, uh, I don't know, put people in camps perhaps. Those are the people who would love to get rid of some of the people in society. They're also accusing Trump of, uh, I believe Saki said, uh, taking away people's fundamental rights. Uh, guys, did we uh, do any Googling on that, on the Google machine about any of the fundamental rights that Trump took away from people? Did we uh, find any? We could not find anything. Um, he actually was on stage with a rainbow flag before he was president. I don't even like the rainbow. The gays have destroyed the rainbow. Uh, but the point is nobody's rights were taken away. So every single thing that they say is a lie. While they And they accuse you of all the things that they are. But okay, you guys know I don't like focusing just on the negative, let's focus on some of the positive. Well, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis right down here in Florida, he's in the midst of a campaign reelection right now. And obviously he's gonna 
crush this, this absolute clown, Charlie Crist, who was a former Republican, now a Democrat. He stands for absolutely nothing. He has no support. He's, he's just a vapid, awful human. He used to also be, he used to be gay. It was a big thing. There was a documentary written about it. He was a closeted, anti-gay, gay Republican. Uh, but now that sort of got whitewashed because when you're a Democrat, you know, all your history uh, just disappears. Anyway, that doesn't even matter really. Anyway, he's just, he's just nothing. Point is, DeSantis, who has spent the last couple of weeks down in Southwest Florida and all over the coast, making sure that power is on, that people are safe, that they're getting food, that they're getting supplies. I mean, he and his wife have been out there every single day. I'm, I'm as you know, very proud to be a Floridian. Um, here he is talking about how the machine operates and that it's not just coming after him, it's coming after everybody. But the... So you got to be right on the issues. You got to understand that the stakes are high. You got to use common sense. You got to have a, a good vision and th stand for the right things. But in this day and age, there is no substitute for courage. You have to be willing to go out there knowing that they are going to come after you. And it's not just people like me who's governor. If a parent speaks out at a school board meeting, you know, they were going to mobilize the FBI to go after the parents, uh, going to school board meetings. If you have other folks involved in Get Out to Vote, all this stuff, you could absolutely be targeted. You could be smeared by the media. You could be smeared by the left. But these are sacrifices we just have to make because it's too important not to. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Like, he didn't say, hey, we got to figure out what we can do with these people. He said we have to have courage to confront them. How about that? That's pretty good. Stand up for yourself. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Say what you believe. Fight earnestly and honestly for a better country, a country that we've unfortunately let slip away, but I think we can, we're at the precipice of grabbing back. I think that would be pretty good. And when you do that, when you show courage and you show the machine that you're not going to just endlessly take it, but you're actually going to fight back, you know what happens? People start following you. And that's exactly what's happening right here in Florida. Well, here's what's happened. When I got elected governor in November of 2018, there were close to 300,000 more registered Democrats in the state of Florida than Republicans. And prior to me becoming governor, we had never in Florida history had more registered Republicans than registered Democrats. Well, the, the books are closed for November's election, so the registration deadline is passed. And I can report that we now have over 300,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats. Pretty sweet, man. And I am very proud to say, I just had to double confirm it while we were showing you that clip that there are four in this room alone, there are four newly registered uh, Republicans, not only new Floridians who pay taxes and are good members of the community. And you guys are out there partying, eating dinners all the time putting money back into the economy, buying stuff. You got a beanie the other day, didn't you? You're the only guy in Florida wearing a beanie. Oh, that's an old beanie? Anyway, uh, yes, there is something happening. By, by DeSantis doing the right thing, not locking down, not closing the schools, not destroying the economy and destroying the lives of untold amount of people, you know what happened. Now the proof is in the pudding. The numbers are really looking good and, and he's gonna crush this guy. Here's a, a, a tweet from uh, my buddy, Brendan Leslie, who works for Florida's Voice, which is a uh, online uh, paper, mostly Southwest Florida. They just compared what's going on at these rallies. So there on the left, obviously, is the Ron DeSantis rally. You know, I don't know, that's gotta be hundreds, if not thousands of people. And then several old people 
uh, at a Charlie Crist rally, and I'm told that he was asking them how many of them were going to vote for Ron DeSantis, and they all raised their hands. So there you go. But let's continue because I don't want to make this just about Florida. There are good things happening all over the country. One place where there's a couple good things happening is in uh, Arizona, where there are two races. So there's the Senate race, and Blake Masters uh, is starting, I think, to really pick up some momentum. I think the debate went really well for Blake. Blake's been on the show a couple times. Uh, so that's looking pretty good. And then there's the gubernatorial debate, and Carrie Lake, who I've also had on the show. We've tried to get Katie Hobbs on the show. She hasn't responded. Katie Hobbs also refuses. She's a Democrat running for governor, obviously. She also refuses to debate Carrie Lake. She said, well, we only have got 30 days left, and we're just so busy. And it's like, what? could you be busy with that you can't debate your opponent? I mean, it's, it's actually, it's actually embarrassing, almost disqualifying, I would say. Anyway, the mainstream media is finally realizing they can't hide from Carrie. Uh, so they put her on CNN, on Dana Bash's show, and just watch how they treat her and watch how effective she is in her response. You called the 2020 election corrupt, stolen, rotten, and rigged. And there was no evidence of any of that presented in a court of law or anywhere else that any of those things there's are true. So why do you keep saying that? Well, there's plenty of evidence. We had 740,000 ballots with no chain of custody. Those ballots shouldn't have been counted. The people don't trust our elections. They haven't since 2000. I'm a reporter. I've been sitting on your side of the desk for a long time. And since 2000, we have Americans who don't trust our elections. In 2000, in 2004, they didn't trust the elections. In 2016, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, and Hillary Clinton, everybody on the Democrat side said the Ms. election Lake. had problems. Miss Lake, there definitely sorry, has been some of that, but I want to say in 2000, Al Gore conceded. In 2004, John Kerry receded, uh, conceded. In 2016, Hillary Clinton conceded, and we didn't see that in 2020. Stacey Abrams never conceded. She still hasn't. I don't hear CNN calling her an election denier. We have the right it's protected with our First Amendment to question our government and to question elections. No question about that. we still have the First Amendment. Yep. We still have the First Amendment. And when you start seeing the media cancel people for questioning their government, then that's when we have a problem. I, I a totally agree problem. about the First Amendment. You and I are uh, benefiting from the First Amendment as we speak. So... You know, the, the best part of that, right at the end of that clip there, where she says, you know, we have the First Amendment, and Dana Bash goes, yep, yep. Did you see that? She goes, yep, we have the First Amendment. Yes, we do. Um, look, without rehashing all of the election stuff, the, the simple fact is that what Carrie Lake said there was true. There is, it, it's on video, we've shown it. There are the tweets, Hillary Clinton calling Donald Trump an illegitimate president. For four years, the entire machine telling you he was a Russian plant or a Russian operative. Dana Bash knows that that's all true. She knows it's all true. So Carrie's right. We are allowed to question things. I don't know. I'll probably be kicked off YouTube for saying that you're allowed to question things, but you are allowed to question things. And it's not even, it's not really about, are you allowed to question things or not? It's like, how about both sides just get equal treatment? So if the Democrats want to do this, if the Democrats for four years when Donald Trump is president, want to say he's an illegitimate president, want to bring up impeachment, want to make up Russia collusion and all of those things, well, then the Republicans should just have equal opportunity to do such things. That would be a sort of fair, even playing field, but that's obviously not what we have, which is why we have a corporate press that behaves the way they do and a big tech machine that censors as it wishes. Let's continue though, because there are some other good things happening in other states. Let's go over to Georgia, which is right north of us here in Florida. I don't know what accent that was that I'm using, but does that sound like a Georgian accent? No, I don't know. 
Uh, <laughs> you all shook your head at the same time. Uh, here is Stacey Abrams, and Stacey Abrams, who of course uh, has no resume. This is a woman who the only thing she is known for, uh, besides for setting a record at the Golden Corral Buffet, is, uh, is that she ran for governor last time, and then when she lost, she said that it was an illegitimate election. Anyway, she's running again, uh, and here she is, and she seems to be a little confused about who's screwing up everything related to the economy. And I want to point out that Brian Kemp did make promises. He promised to keep us safe, but crime has gone up. He promised to protect us, and yet he's attacked our freedoms. He has promised to take care of our families, and yet the rising prices in Georgia are rising because he refuses to expand Medicaid, because he refuses to tackle the affordable housing crisis that we have, and he's sitting on $400 million of our money that he will not spend to keep us under roofs and in our homes. The rising prices are related to the fact that he won't expand Medicaid? That's a new one for me. I thought that the rising prices are actually happening all over the country. They're happening a little bit less in Republican states because, for example, right here in Florida, I can bring it back to Florida almost every day, uh, we have these tax breaks that Governor DeSantis has brought in and then we have these weekends where they won't charge you for certain things related to house repair or other things of that nature. Um, but I've never heard anything about how somehow because of not funding Medicare properly, the state of Georgia, that that's why... Prices are rising. I mean, prices are rising everywhere because they're deflating the value of the dollar. The dollar is worth less. The markets are crashing right now. Everything is depressed. So she just sort of made that up. Uh, here's the, the governor, Brian Kemp, who she's going against. And uh, he's, he's not having it with her nonsense. When I ran for governor in 2018, I promised to put hard work in Georgians first ahead of the status quo and the politically correct. I said shortly after being sworn in, I would work hard as your governor every single day for all Georgians, whether you voted for me or not. I'm so optimistic about the future of our state, the lowest unemployment rate in the history of the state, the most people working, and economic opportunity in all parts of our state, no matter your zip code or neighborhood. Stacey Abrams said Georgia's the worst state in the country to live. Well, Marty, the girls and I disagree. We think Georgia's the greatest state in the country to live, work, and raise our children. And that's why I'm asking for your vote and support to keep it that way. Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have every like knowledge of every in and out and the minutia of everything that's going on in Georgia specifically. But it's like pretty obvious which way, if you're watching this, whether you're in Atlanta or the suburbs or wherever you might be, uh, it's pretty obvious which way you have to vote. It's like Stacey Abrams stands for nothing other than the machine, other than more big government, other than wokeness, other than keeping kids in masks while she would go to these schools not in a mask and she's obviously quite overweight and it's like that's one of the things that uh, we were told was a comorbidity related to COVID, but she could not be in a mask while she kept kids in masks. These are just not good people. Uh, so Brian Kemp is saying, hey, she doesn't seem to like Georgia very much. I like Georgia. I'm the governor. Uh, we're doing okay and we're going to keep trying to do okay. So I think that's pretty much where you're at, Georgia. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Uh, but let's move on to another state. There is Ohio. And as you guys know, J.D. Vance, who's been on the show 
Republican is running against Tim Ryan, Democrat. Uh, and the debate, which was last week, was, a, was I think, a real knockout for uh, J.D. over Tim Ryan. He just really went at him. We're, we're seeing Republicans who are finally just not accepting the endless, oh, the narrative is that we are just all racist bigots. Uh, we're actually going to fight back. We're not just going to take it anymore. Thank you, we have a. So the, we have a. Hold on, JD. Stop no, this is me. this is disgusting. I, I'd like to get here, here's more. exactly what happens when the media and people like Tim Ryan accuse me of engaging the great great replacement theory. I'll tell you, you exactly. It. I'll you tell you exactly what happens, Tim. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children, get attacked by scumbags online and in person because you are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. We are sick of it. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can believe in the, the country without being a racist. And this just shows how desperate this guy is for political power. I know you've been in office for 20 years, Tim, and I know it's a sweet gig, but you're so desperate not to have a real job that you'll slander me and slander my family. It's disgraceful. Fighting back, right? Like saying the truth. Uh, JD happens to be married to an Indian woman, so she is, let's say, of brown skin. Now, Tim, uh, Tim Ryan obviously doesn't care about that. And, and, and that's the point, these, these attacks, these, oh, you are just a racist because you're a Republican. You are just a bigot because you want a border. It ain't working anymore. And that's why they're getting more hysterical. That's why they're always moving to this, now democracy's under threat, because the cries of racism really did fall flat. And what they've also done is they've done the boy who cries wolf. Now when the real racists are here, when the real bigots get out there and say, and say awful things, a lot of people won't care. You know, over the last couple of days, Kanye West has said some absolutely bananas racist stuff about Jews, and a lot of people were quiet about it. I was kind of waiting because I wanted to see how a little more of it would hash out, and I'll con I will obviously continue to talk about it. I'm talking about it right now. But he said without question, like, the worst sort of collectivist stuff about Jews. But a certain amount of people are just like, ah, we're just tired because they call everybody a racist, so sometimes we're just going to sit one out. That's just part of how humans are. We all have a certain tolerance uh, for nonsense. Uh, let's continue in Georgia. We'll jump back to Georgia. Uh, here is Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's an interesting character uh, who can be a little over the top at times, but uh, there's some clarity coming out of this debate with Marcus Flowers. The Democrat Party is the party of child abuse. It's the party that represents grooming children and sexualizing them in school, teaching anti-white racism in the terms of CRT education and genital mutilation of kids, kids that can't even get a driver's license, can't get a tattoo and cannot vote. How do you stand there and represent the Democrat Party as a father? And do you believe in genital mutilation of children under the age of 18 and, and these puberty blockers that have severe health consequences? Yeah, she's kind of right. She's kind of right. Like, which party is pushing all the racist stuff in schools, right? The neo-racism of equity. Which party is pushing all of the gender stuff, right? We started at the top of the show with that, with, uh, with Chris Rufo. So it's like, yeah, that to me strikes as a winning message. And we, by the way, we know it's a winning message in places that it wouldn't traditionally be winning because we know about the Virginia gubernatorial race, right? It was not supposed to go the way that it did, but it did because parents were just like, you know what, enough of this woke nonsense. So let's get this to the, uh, to the federal level. Uh, let's talk about Joe Biden because what does old Joe have? Well, he doesn't seem to have the economy. 
He doesn't seem to have uh, a win on the cultural stuff now that that's turning. So what does he have? Well, he's got fear. Here's a tweet. If the Republicans in Congress get their way, prices will go up and inflation will get worse. It's that simple. Now, okay, look, this is just, it's just meaningless nothing from him, right? He obviously didn't write that tweet. There is zero chance in high hell that they allow that man to hold a telephone. You know, you could say all the things you want about Trump, but Trump was tweeting for himself. Like there is zero chance that they let, not only let him hold a phone, but would let him have access to Twitter or anything else, right? And could you put it up one more time? It's just, it's just, again, it's just this meaningless fear thing. If Republicans in Congress get their way, prices will go up and inflation will get worse. It's that simple. No, it's not that simple. What do you mean? It's your party that is into endless, reckless spending. And yes, a lot of Republicans sign on to it, but I am fairly certain I'm fairly certain that if Republicans take the House and the Senate and act as a bulwark to whatever remaining stuff you or whoever, Obama, whoever's in charge you want to get done, uh, then we will have less of the reckless spending. So the idea that somehow it's Republicans, Republicans who generally are for lower taxes, right? Red states, several red states have no state income tax. They want budgets. They talk about balanced budgets. What do Democrats talk about now? They talk about unlimited spending that you can just keep spending and you can just keep printing more money. And then by golly, the value of the dollar goes down and the stock market starts crashing and we get into a recession. And then what do they do right in front of our eyes? Just like an incredible magic trick. They change the definition of recession right in front of our eyes. It's just bananas but they can get away with it. And do you know why, ladies and gentlemen? Because of Democrat privilege, the only privilege that exists in the United States. If you are a Democrat, you can get everything wrong. You can ruin people's lives. You can steal their money. You can lock them in their house. You can ruin their 401ks and you still remain in power and often get a job promotion for it. And how does that happen? Well, it might have a little something to do with the way the leftist mainstream media, the corporate press uh, covers for you. You know, it's a competing narrative. Republicans want to talk about gas prices and the economy. And man, the numbers you guys just uh, talked about Brutal. that came out this morning on the inflation. They are going to talk about this number and they're going to say everything else that you're hearing from the Democrats is meaningless because you can't afford to pay your rent. People may feel like I'm not sure that I can afford to care about democracy. Right. Yeah. And this is not a U.S. problem. I, let's be clear. We have a global inflation problem. There is, however, another silver lining. A silver lining. The annual inflation rate has gone down. It's not as bad as it was earlier this summer. 40% believe the economic conditions will improve and be good in one year. The dollar is surging. Employment is very high. Medicare premiums are going down. The core economy remains quite strong. The job market is still strong. The jobs market, which remains very strong. Unemployment sitting at a more than 50-year low of three and a half percent. On paper, a lot of things look pretty decent. There's also news about Social Security. The Social Security Administration says benefits will rise by 8.7 percent. This is 70 million people. Yeah. They're getting an 8.7 percent increase. The largest increase since 1981. It is the largest in more than 40 years. That's going to help them fight inflation for next year. Inflation is in some ways good news for Social Security recipients. <laughs> Inflation is good news for Social Security recipients. It's all such nonsense. You know, it's all Republicans pounce on the economy. You see what the Republicans did? They're forcing everyone to look at the economy that we screwed up. So it's their fault because they're making us look at it. Uh, it's a worldwide problem. Yes, the economy is worldwide because of giant globalization 
and, and centralization of these big leftist governments, uh, yes, a lot of Western nations are having problems, but we have a particular brand of it here. That, that guy, the guy on, I think that was CNN, the dollar is surging. What? What planet is he on? And also 3.5% unemployment. I'd have to check that number actually, but also the, the number doesn't fully uh, sort of compare with reality properly because a huge amount of people have just selected out of the workforce so they don't get put on those rolls. That's how it works. So 3.5%, you can go to almost any store wherever you are, there is a now hiring sign. It's because they cannot even get people to work despite the fact that places that years ago were maybe paying 10 bucks an hour for you know sort of an entry level job at Target are now paying $15, but people just don't seem to want to work. That, that's connected to a whole series of other issues related to personal responsibility and a whole bunch more. Uh, but a lot of this obviously is connected to the elderly man pretending to be president. And many Democrats who are running for office right now are going, oh man, the ship is sinking, the guy's head ain't right, and we got to distance ourselves from him. Uh, here is black lesbian press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, and uh, she's having trouble running cover for him when asked uh, who's gonna, you know, invite Biden to come campaign with him. In the last month, he's okay. giving a speech tomorrow in D.C. He's given fundraisers in New Jersey, New York. He campaigned with Democratic governor candidates in Massachusetts and Maryland, and then he was in California, Oregon, and Colorado next week. Yes, he has plans to be in Pennsylvania and Florida, but behind closed doors with two of the Democratic candidates. There's a White House Office of Political Affairs. And they've been getting phone calls from candidates in some of those other states, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, to say, we'd love to have the president come. Look, I don't have any calls to read out. We don't have any calls or personal conversations to read out. How the hell would she have call records? What is she, the press secretary or something? She doesn't know who's calling the president and asking him to campaign for him. Of course, that's complete nonsense. If they wanted Biden there, she would be telling people Biden's schedule. By the way, Biden's going to Arizona tomorrow to campaign with Katie Hobbs. By the way, Biden's going over to uh, Ohio to campaign with Tim Ryan. Biden's going to swing by uh, Georgia and campaign with uh, with Stacey Abrams. By the way, I thought my Georgia accent was pretty good. I really thought it was. Uh, we're in Georgia now. I'm, ba I'm basically doing some version of Big Daddy, Blanche's father in the Golden Girls. Um, <laughs> But yes, they don't want Biden because they know what's about to happen. Although, as I always say, give the devil his due, like anything can happen over these next two weeks, nuclear war, COVID-6, you never know. Um, but it's not looking good and people don't want to be attached to Biden. How, how much do people not want to be attached to Biden? Well, here is a video from Fox Business on how bad it actually is getting for the elderly man pretending to be president. Well, more bad news for President Biden this morning. A new Fox News poll shows that if the election were to happen today, only 33 percent of voters would vote for President Biden, while 54 percent say that they would vote for someone else. OK, so I always tell you guys, I, I try not to get too caught up in polls because it depends on the sample size. You know, it depends who's picking up the phone. It, generally, the people that are being polled, they skew a little bit older in age. That being said, older people tend to vote. It's a little screwy, but if, if they're roughly right on that, that 33% of people who voted for Biden would vote for him again. I mean, we're told the guy got 81 million votes. I can do some basic math in my head where I think we're at about 27 million people would vote for him this time. That is not good if you're a Democrat. Like that ain't good at all. And you know it ain't good because now MSNBC is even covering the reality of the situation at the moment. 
Take a look at the latest New York Times-Siena poll. Republicans opening up a 10-point lead among independents after being essentially tied just a month ago. Democrats' 13-point advantage among women in September, that's gone. And among female independents, the biggest swing of all. Democrats leading among that group by 14 points in September, now down by 18. As we said, a 32-point swing in just four weeks. So it's very bizarre because we're, if we're watching mainstream media, we're being told that the Republicans are coming for democracy and that they're fascists and bigots and all of those things. And yet it does seem that the average American is like, yeah, I'm kind of into that. So how are you going to explain that, MSNBC? How are you going to explain that, CNN, et cetera, et cetera? You're going to have a real trouble explaining that. And it's once again why I have said for years, once you call your political opponents bigots and racists, it's not what you do to them, it's what you do to yourself. Because you've painted yourself into a corner and then you might realize one day that they are not bigots and racists or that they turn out to do some good stuff. But it's a little hard to be like, oh, you know, Hitler ain't that bad. That Hitler guy that I've been screaming about, he's pretty, pretty good. So this is the problem that the media finds itself in. This is the problem that the Democrats are in and much more. So what, what do we have to do? I, I thought this was a great way to, to finish the show. We'll get to a cold close in just a moment. Uh, we found this video of Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman, who of course is the famed libertarian economist, uh, who once, by the way, was on the front page of the New York Times with me, picture of him, he has already passed away. It was a picture of him, me, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, I think Stephen Crowder was on there, a couple other people as the leaders of the alt-right. That was the front page of the New York Times. Anyway, he was just an economist, a libertarian economist. He liked small government. He liked low taxes. He didn't like government interference in people's relationships with each other and all of those things. Well, he went on Phil Donahue's show. Uh, this has got to be early 80s and basically laid out a beautiful case for, for exactly what we should be fighting for right now. Freedom and for democracy and our ability to exchange goods and ideas with other people without government interfer interference. It's just so beautiful, just take a look. When you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from, a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, and what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. 
<laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And I happened to, I liked Phil Donahue. My mom used to always watch Donahue when I was at school. I'd come home and I think Donahue was on at four o'clock. I would watch Donahue with my mom. He was, he was a perfectly fine host, but it's nice when you see someone sort of put in their place and Milton Friedman, again, all he was was basically a libertarian economist who liked free markets and governments out of the way. Um, but this reflexive argument of somehow capitalism and our ability to be free and make decisions for ourselves is so deeply connected to greed. I believe there was a Gordon Gecko guy who once said that greed is good, that we should all go out there and do what is best for ourselves. And if you do that within the idea that when you do what's best for you, you start doing what's best for your family and your community, you don't destroy everything around you. Are there going to be bad actors within that? Are there gonna be genuinely greedy people who will act unethically and all of those things? Yes, but if you think that just giving the government the power to tell you what to do is somehow gonna be better than you doing it for yourself, well then I think you should probably watch a little more Milton Friedman or read a book by another alt-right maniac, uh, Thomas Sowell. That might be good too. A uh, couple comments from the locals community and then we'll get to the cold close free. That's a good handle. Says parents are the first line of defense for their children. Teachers unions, government entities, and anyone pushing CRT or gender affirming programs should be canceled immediately. I mean, look, this is, I would say, a, a legitimate reason to cancel somebody. And I can also tell you that as a father, of two young kids, like I will not allow people to abuse my children, obviously, whether it is mentally, physically, or otherwise. And we're already, you know, we're very early on on talking about schooling and all sorts of stuff like that. But like, I'm just simply not gonna have it. I'm not gonna have it, whether that means we're gonna homeschool or pod school or school choice. As I said, Florida happens to have some excellent public schools. The district we're in is quite good. So we'll see. And also we don't have, thanks to the don't say gay scary bill by Ron DeSantis, we have you know solid schools here that they're not gonna infect these kids with this nonsense. But yeah, that's the ultimate challenge of a parent. Like you, you bring a child into the world, that child is perfect. And you hopefully can teach that kid some, some good ideas along the way. And you can hopefully model something that they can follow after. I'm, I'm gonna do that to the best of my ability as a human being and as a father. Um, but then if you just hand them off and you just hope that the state and these bureaucrats and these middle management nobodies and state you know, authorized teachers are gonna teach them the right ideas, you, you better think about it again. Maybe that's how it was 30 years ago. And it might've been, right? I, I came from public education. I got a good education, elementary school, junior high school, high school. There used to be good public education. There's not that much of it anymore. And although the progressives fear it, school choice is a pretty great thing. Uh, Kathy says, if I had kids and I was in a blue state, I'd move now. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up because uh, at the end of my conversation with Bill Maher, when he's talking about why he's just sort of entrenched in LA, he's like, well, my friends are here and my house is here and my show is here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that, that is all true. He, he doesn't have kids. So it allows you to have a certain amount of these, I don't want to say luxury beliefs exactly. That doesn't quite quite encapsulate it. But like when you have kids, it does change the equation because then you really, your ideas have to be put to the test. It's one thing to fight the woke because you don't want kids indoctrinated. It's one, that's one thing. And then it's another thing when they're actually indoctrinating your own children, the level of escalation of how important it is to move or fight those people probably ramped up a bit. Uh, Tiger says, the leftists have lost their minds. My husband would say they would have had to have had a mind first. That is the old chicken and egg question. Did they lose their minds or did they never have them at all? We'll debate that and more throughout the coming weeks. Uh, as always, guys, uh, if you have not subscribed, join us on uh, Rumble at rumble.com slash Ruben Report. And if you want to play along during the show, and that's where I post 
uh, pictures of the kids and some other more personal stuff, rubenreport.locals.com. My full interview with Megyn Kelly is up across platforms right now. And we leave you with the elderly man pretending to be president when he once ran for president and then had to step down in disgrace. Adios. Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy that his opponents could use in raising questions about his character. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Gladys the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania and who come up after 12 hours and play football for four hours. Those people who could wait, work eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. The notion that every thought or notion or idea you'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. The problem here is that Senator Biden told his audience he'd just been thinking about these things, and he failed to give any credit at all to his famous British speechwriter. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. <laughs> now, that's a little too much, because as you point out, What's behind the words? What's there? And a lot of people, the rap on Biden has always been that it's just a surface. I should have said, to paraphrase Neil Kinnock, it's the only time I didn't, in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It showed up in Iowa, site of the first 1988 caucuses, then reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.